Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe is on the line. Good afternoon to you, Kevin. How are you, Jonathan? Very well. Margaret Thatcher was seen to be more revered in America uh, in yeah. her passing rather than she was in Britain. Um, we'll be talking more about the reaction in the UK later on. But tell me a little bit about how Ronald Reagan might have actually helped nudge her in the right direction when it came to Ireland. Well, you mentioned that, Jonathan. I wrote a very lengthy piece online for the Boston Globe. It was probably one of the only critical words in America. I argued that uh, the way she handled the hunger strikes lengthened the, uh, the situation in Northern Ireland by at least 10 years, if not a generation, uh, because she, she led with her heart, not her head there, and her heart led her to wrong places. But I did continue by saying that she did learn from her mistakes, as did the British government. They resolved all the issues of the hunger strike very quietly and gave in to the demands and settled that down. But more specifically, um, Margaret Thatcher, I don't know how well this is known in Ireland, but she was nudged toward the the Anglo-Irish agreement with Gareth Fitzgerald by none other than Ronald Reagan, who besides Sir Dennis was the man she loved most. And the way it worked is John Hume, the great nationalist leader, the SDLP leader, spent a lot of time in Boston. He, he avoided New York, the cacophony, as he called it, because the nexus of Irish-American power was here in Boston because of Tip O'Neill, the House Speaker, and Ted Kennedy, who was the lion of the Senate. And John lined them up, and it was Tip specifically. Tip had a very close relationship with Reagan. They had a 6 o'clock rule, they called it. Every, every once in a while, they'd sit down, and after 6 o'clock, no partisan politics. They'd just share a beer and tell stories. And John Hume asked Tip O'Neill to go to Ronald Reagan, to have Reagan go to Margaret Thatcher and say, you've got to work with the Irish. The, the only way you show there's a road beyond violence is show that constitutional politics constitutional nationalism is the only way forward and she did and that is i mean that's a long that's a very simplistic way of explaining this but you know dick spring did yeoman's work negotiating that 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 treaty with with the british as did all the all the civil servants both on the irish and and the british side but it would not have happened if lady thatcher did not agree to it and it would not have happened if john hume didn't go to tip o'neill who didn't go to ronald reagan who then went to lady thatcher you mentioned story, the relationship. It? It's a great story. And I have to say, that wasn't an angle. I mean, Priest was a long time coming even after that, but it was still sure. a, a nudging her. You mentioned this this special relationship they had. Let's have a listen to Ronald Reagan speaking at the time about how strong an ally Margaret Thatcher was. She has been a staunch ally, my political soulmate, a great visionary, and a dear, dear friend. You think of the reaction over here. She was described as a divisive figure. That was the nicest some people could say about her. Sure. In America, she probably would have been elected twice over if she ran there. You know, but that's not unusual, Jonathan. Tony Blair remained very popular here while people in Britain want to put him in the stocks. I mean, that's very often the case, That it, particularly British leaders, because Americans don't appreciate the domestic niceties of, of, of what's going on in Britain. They don't see that, you know, they don't know that Margaret Thatcher made more people in Britain rich. I mean, you know, made some people in Britain rich and a lot of people in Britain poor. That's just one of those details that gets lost in, in all that sort of hagiography you hear from the likes of Reagan, you know. 